So not forgotten, not at all. Uh, That is both the legacy and the promise for us as believers. The God is ever mindful of us and our lives. And we take uh, heart uh, from that. When I look around the world um, these days, uh, sometimes it can all seem rather overwhelming, that's for sure. Now, uh, the interesting thing is I don't remember feeling that way as a child, so uh, maybe I'm changing. Or the world around me is changing, or maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe the world is changing, maybe I'm changing. Uh, There was a... uh, November 6, 2014, uh, online article that that caught my attention that was entitled, The Disease of Being Busy. So that speaks to our culture that likes to diagnose all different kinds of psychosocial and emotional maladies as being diseases. And in this article written by Omid Safi, he writes... I saw a dear friend a few days ago. I stopped by to ask her how she was doing, how her family was, and she looked up and lowered her voice and just whimpered, and she said, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I've got so much going on. And almost immediately after, I ran to another friend and asked him how he was. And again, the same response i'm i'm so busy i'm so so busy got so much to do the tone was exacerbated tired even overwhelmed and it's not just the adults omit safi writes when we moved to north carolina about 10 years ago we were thrilled to be moving to a city with a great school system we found a diverse neighborhood Filled with families, everything felt good, everything felt right. After we settled in, we went to one of our friendly neighbors asking if their daughter and our daughter could get together to play. The mother, a really lovely person, reached for her phone and pulled out the calendar function. She scrolled and she scrolled and she scrolled some more and she finally said, She has a 45-minute opening two and a half weeks from now. The rest of the time, it's gymnastics, it's piano, it's voice lessons. She's just so busy, so very, very busy. So how did we end up living like this? The truth is, that there have been some seismic shifts rapidly occurring in our culture that must be named so that our wounded world, which it is, can begin to heal. I guess that's what I want to say at the end of 2017. Our world is torn, and we are finding it harder and harder to heal. It's hardly a place where we ever step back to think about what we are doing, yeah? And to think about the powerful impact that reflection has upon our lives. Now, if I'm right that my metaphor of tearing, of of things falling apart and falling to pieces is correct, 
Where do we see examples of this? Where? Well, let me tell you about social anxiety disorder. Because according to Stein and Stein in their 2008 Lancet Journal article uh, by that name, Social Anxiety Disorder, that that disorder is the most common disorder that people have, social anxiety disorder. Well, what is that? Social anxiety disorder, also called social phobia, is an anxiety disorder in which a person has an excessive and unreasonable fear of social situations. Anxiety. Intense nervousness and self-consciousness arise from a fear of being closely watched, judged, and criticized by others. And we ought to be able to step into the new year asking God to free us of all those kinds of things. Well, last week you may have heard uh, the news. The World Health Organization, uh, the acronym WHO, recognized a new disorder called gaming disorder. Yes, gaming disorder or addiction, right? And they're going to add that to their list of disorders in 2018, gaming disorder. Now, now let me say this. When you have something that becomes an official disorder or labeled as a disease, that means, of course, that there must be a treatment path for it, right? A treatment path for gaming disorder. And that there have to be protocols about how people can be healed, healed from gaming disorder. And, of course, if the disorder actually exists, then there has got to be an army of recovery specialists. So what that means is that the treatment centers that are located in your community and mine are now going to start admitting people who have gaming disorder. Think about it. Think about that. But allow me to unmask some additional tears in the fabric of our social soul. In our over-sexualized culture... A sexual assault occurs in this country approximately every two minutes. And that's, that's rather staggering. In one 15-minute sermon, because that's approximately how long I preach for, give or take, about 15 minutes, yes. In one 15-minute sermon, I could fill approximately three pews with people who had been sexually assaulted, with many of these individuals being college-aged women or women serving in our military. Three pews. One, two, three in the time that I complete one 15-minute sermon. And that's just the rapes and the assaults that are reported. Now, if I were to count all of those assaulted, those who report and those who do not, in that same 15-minute period, I'd have to fill another four pews. That's almost this entire side of the sanctuary barring the last two pews that would be filled with people within a 15-minute period sexually assaulted. Now here's what's amazing. 97% of those who commit these crimes will not spend one day in jail. They're going to get away with it, scot-free. In fact, of the cases reported, two-thirds of the victims will actually know the perpetrator. 
Yeah? So let that sink in for a minute. Here's another tear. People have less discretionary time than before because their work, thanks to Wi-Fi, cellular technology, and the Internet, follows them wherever they go. So for 2018, how about making that New Year's resolution to say, I'm just going to set the phone aside. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can you feel the joy? If you can't feel the joy, something's wrong with you, my friend. Okay. Or I'm not, I'm not going to take it here with me today. Yeah? Get used to that. Re- retrain your behavioral reflexes, you know? Instead of uh, forgetting your phone and having your anxiety rise, train yourself. Purposely leave it behind and get used to that feeling. It's crazy. But did you know that there now exists legislation in Europe that is binding upon Google and other search engines, and it's called, get this, the right to be forgotten legislation. It is. I've got it right here. You know, if you want to take a look at this after the message, you're, you're certainly welcome to it. Fact sheet on the right to be forgotten ruling. And they've got the ruling number there and so on. In other words, the world has become so burdensome and so intrusive and, and so interfering that there are people now that are saying, you know what, I just want to be forgotten. Can I get an Amen. Maybe a name, maybe a half of an amen. I don't know, yeah? And there are more examples, but I think that you get the point. Today, people are overstressed, overworked, underpaid, and desperately longing for meaning, substance, and purpose in their lives. I love the quote the best from the former uh, Church of England, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, who said in a Sunday Times article way back in 2002, we are now a deeply, dangerously bored society. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, that God has not forgotten you and that He has a plan for you in 2018. The season of Advent that culminated on Christmas Eve this year in the life of the church celebrates four traditional themes. Love, joy, peace, and hope. Why? Because in the shallow entertainment culture that we live, that we find ourselves in, the call of everyone who dares to journey towards the Christ child in Bethlehem is to rediscover what God has in store for His people in 2018. Yes? Absolutely. And they have nothing to do with Access Hollywood, Deepak Chopra, Dr. Oz, or Martha Stewart. have nothing to do with them. Remembering that you are not forgotten often comes in the form of a gift when we least expect it, such as it did for Stella Thornhope. Stella Thornhope was struggling with her first Christmas alone. Her husband had just died just a few months prior through a slow-developing cancer. Now, several days before Christmas, she was almost slowed in by a brutal weather system, and she felt terribly alone, so much so that she decided she was not going to decorate for Christmas. 
And then late that afternoon, the doorbell rang, and there was a delivery boy with a box. And he said, Mrs. Thornup, and she nodded, and he said, would you sign here? And she invited him to step inside and close the door to, to get out of the cold. And she signed the paper and said, well, well, what's in the box? And the young man laughed and opened up the flap, and inside was a little puppy, a little golden Labrador retriever. And the delivery boy picked up the squirming pup and exclaimed, This is for you, ma'am. He's six weeks old and he's completely housebroken. And the young puppy began to, to wiggle in happiness at being released from the box. And she said, Who sent this? And the young man set the animal down and handed her an envelope and said, It's all explained in here, ma'am. The dog was bought just last July while its mother was still pregnant. It was meant to be a Christmas gift for you. And, and the young man then handed her a book, How to Care for Your Labrador Retriever. And in desperation, she said again, Who on earth sent me this puppy? And as the young man turned to leave, he said, Your husband, ma'am. Merry Christmas. And she opened up the letter from her husband, and he had written it three weeks before he died, and left it with the kennel owners to be delivered with the puppy as his last Christmas gift for her. The letter was full of love and encouragement and admonitions to be strong. And he vowed that he was waiting for her on the day when she would eventually join with him. And he had sent this little puppy to keep her company until that day arrived. And she wiped away the tears and she put the letter down and then remembering the puppy at her feet and then she went to the basement. And it was then that she started to pull out her Christmas decorations and start decorating the house. So here's what I want you to hold on to between Christmas and the New Year. God has not forgotten you. In your disorders, whatever they may be, God has not forgotten you. If assaults have been endured, He has not forgotten you. In your pressures, in your stresses, He has not forgotten you. In your boredom even, He has not forgotten you. In your loneliness, He has not forgotten you. One of my chief objections to the frenetic build-up to Christmas is that under the guise of Emotive, the emotive season of, of stress and obligation, car dealers, toys, watch and jewelry makers, they all take advantage of us, and it's not fair. They pretend to be interested in us, but I'm sorry, they're really not. They're interested in your money. Once you hand over your money, all their interest, their feigned interest in you and I, it goes away. But aren't you glad that our God does not equate how much money you have in your wallet with your worth as a human being? Mary's joy in today's Gospel was predicated upon this overwhelming realization. I have not been forgotten. 
I have not been forgotten. In fact, her joy in verse 47 of today's Lucan text is predicated upon her proclamation in verse 48. For he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. And the Greek word here is epiblepo. And it means I will fix my eyes upon or pay special attention to. That is God looking upon Mary. Fixing his eyes upon her. And if you look at Mary's life through the lens of the glitz and grandeur of the Roman Empire, Mary was just a peon. Her life was squat, extraordinarily inconsequential, and completely insignificant. But God is focusing His special attention upon her. And from her lips she utters... From now on, all generations will call me blessed. You see, my friends, there is no greater trajectory for your life or mine than to say, I am blessed because I am not forgotten. I am blessed because I am not forgotten. Let riches and fame and fortune pass me by. Only let me say, I am blessed because I am not forgotten. So here's the upshot. When God remembers you, and why wouldn't He? That is the occasion to rejoice and to give thanks. Here is the yet simple, profound, incarnational truth. You and I, We have not been forgotten. Just as the husband did not forget his wife, even though he had passed away. One of my favorite TV commercials from last year, it was a Myers TV commercial. And it was of a uh, young family living in a neighborhood. And they were outside and they were decorating their house with lights and, and, and all different things they were putting up in the front yard. And then they got a thought. Their elderly, widowed neighbor who lived across the street who could no longer put up Christmas decorations for herself. They decided that they would go across the street and they would put up her Christmas decorations for her. She was not home. She was out of the house. And there's this scene in the commercial where she comes pulling into her driveway. They had all scurried away. And she gets out of her car and she sees the brightness of all those beautiful Christmas lights decorating. She had not been forgotten. Praise the Lord. And you and I have not been forgotten. And if we have not been forgotten, then it is never, my friends, too late to celebrate Christmas nor to welcome the new year in. Amen.